Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Um, hey everybody, welcome back to Shouse in the House. I am your host, literally Heather, and I have with me this evening, Elio Lorenzo, and I am so excited that he gave me the opportunity to interview him and talk to him. Um, before I go into the actual discussion, I want to give him the opportunity to kind of plug himself and say who he is and where he, uh, where I met him uh, to let you guys know. Um, Elio and I actually connected through Patriot Sports Radio, so shout out to those guys for bringing great people together. Um, love those dudes very much. And tune in on Sunday night. We're starting our live show together, uh, Patriots nice. and Petticoats, so that will be exciting. Um, but Elio runs a podcast, and I want to give him the opportunity to kind of talk about his show, what they do over there. And so go, Elio, let them know who you are and what you do. First and foremost, thank you for having me. I enjoy your podcast, but looking forward to jumping on and, uh, you know, shooting the shit with you. Sorry, can yeah. I curse a little bit here? It's, oh, it's, absolutely. Uh, uh, all right. Hello, it's, a, it's me. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a bad habit that I have. But yeah, I again, uh, you know, my uh, my podcast is Average Joe Sports Talk Podcast. Uh, you know, I do a weekly show. I collaborate a lot with other, um, other, other influencers like Patriot Sports, you know, Chris and Eric, my homies. Uh, and then right now, I also do. A, I'm doing a new show with Jordan Thomas at the Fantasy Sports Corp called the Weekly Throwdown. Out every Thursday, cool. a little quick plug. You know, my uh, my uh, my alter ego is E Man because you know Elio. It's a little difficult to pronounce. Right? Not even my full name. So I even E-Man, say it wrong. I say Elio, yeah. and it's Elio. That's that's fine. You know, listen. You really want to get flown away? Let me see. Try this, Elio Ned. That's the full name. <laughs> so if you try, you want the English version, L you know, that's, that's I'm just going to call you E and be done with hey, it. <laughs> high school, middle school, everybody was like, you know, when the teachers, like, you know, substitute teachers on the first day of school, they couldn't pronounce the first name. And they were like, okay, Mr. Lorenzo, that's a lot easier than, you know, my first <laughs> name. So, so I've been getting called Mr. since I was like nine or 10. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that's what I do. Uh, I love sports. I love talking about sports uh, and I'm passionate about sports. What so, is your, uh, okay, so like what's your favorite sport to discuss? Like your favorite sport to really like get into and talk about? And you do a lot of uh, DFS, right? Like you do a lot yeah. of that kind of stuff. Okay. I'm pretty much a variety. Uh, DFS, I really dove into a lot this year because I, I made some connections. You know, for example, Chris and sure. Eric and, yeah, and, and uh, Patriot Sports and other guys that uh, we met all through a reality fantasy football competition. I play a lot of fantasy football. I do a little bit of talking, but this year I really went in, you know, hard on it because of the, these connections and this new collapse. Oh, and uh, so I really like went um, a lot harder than usual, but football is my number one sport, football and the NBA and baseball. Those are my three main ones. I played all three, well, not football so much, but I played football, you know, satellite, but organized, I played basketball and baseball growing up. I'm Cuban, so you're born with a ball and a bat right. and a glove in your hand. So right. uh, basketball was my default because I grew up in Brooklyn, New York when we came here from Cuba. So we'll dive into that. You have to pick up basketball because you have to survive in the streets anyway. But uh, yeah, those are my three main sports and you know, love boxing, MMA, and I pretty much do a little bit of everything, but I concentrate on those three main sports. Awesome. Okay. So for my audience who doesn't know, obviously, um, I brought him on to discuss um, his family immigrated here from Cuba. And, you know, I, I, I sense a tone of socialism and communism really like rooting its way into a lot of the 
uh, ideals and principles that the United States holds dear. And a lot of times you'll hear these young individuals that'll say, oh, that's not real socialism. We haven't tried real socialism yet. Oh, that's not real communism. We haven't tried real communism yet. Like, like there's some better version of those two things that will actually like be better than what it is in these other places. So I thought it would be really interesting to have Eon with us and kind of talk about his families coming over from Cuba, what life was like there, what life is like there right now. Do you still have family there at all? I figured Absolutely. that you did. Um, there was quite an uprising last summer in Cuba where I, you know, I saw a lot of video, a lot of the things that were coming out of Cuba were fucking sad. Like some of like the food situation, the all of that stuff, the people that are just being rounded up and killed for. I mean, breathing, essentially. So um, talk to me a little bit. Let's talk about your family exclusively first, and then we'll kind of move into like modern times type stuff. Tell me about growing up and how your family ended up in the United States from Cuba. So it's like any other immigrant story, right? There's always a family member that starts that trail. And it all happened right after the revolution, 63, 64. It was a cousin of my father's, right? Which he's actually still alive. He's like the only remaining cousin. He's the one who started the floodgates, right? Wow. And as one person that comes to the United States, he actually, unlike most Cubans, he went straight to New York. So he actually <laughs> did pretty well for himself. He, you know, he sure. worked his ass off in the streets. He started his own businesses. All of a sudden, he grew about four or five different businesses. Then I had the income to start bringing his brother. And then, you know, his other cousin and my dad and him grew up together. You know, they grew up in the same farm in Cuba. You know, they ate, they slept at each other's house. You know, they were like brothers, right? And uh, right. that's kind of like my family is. So my father's side was the one who started the whole immigration thing uh, into the United States. My dad came much, much later than he did. My dad came in 1984. He left Cuba in 84. Uh, we stayed behind uh, because, again, you know, it's one of those things that, Back in 1984, as soon as my dad touched ground in the U.S., he owed 10 grand. Right. That's how much is the going rate in 1984 for one person. Of course, he's bringing his family afterwards. Myself, my brother, and my mother stayed behind. And in the 80s, you're still kind of like, you know, revolution's only been around, you know, Fidel Castro's right. been around for 20-something years. So you're getting watched right now by the, right. you know, by the snitch in the corner of every, every socialism and com fuck socialism, it's communism mainly. They'll have people in every street ratting you out, watching what's going on. When somebody comes and visit, they know what's going on. They call it in Spanish, chivatos, which is another word for snitch. And um, that's kind of like why I left. So they knew that my dad left and there was a family left behind. So, you know, you had to like watch what you say, you know, back in the eighties, the communication via phones is insane. You couldn't barely, I think I spoke to my dad once a month. And uh, at that time I was like, uh, and, and I'm a little foggy because it happened a long time ago. Sure, so I was yeah. either between seven and eight years old. So my dad uh, was able to like, you know, work, was working for my first cousin, pay a little of his debt back, was able to kind of like, um, you know, he was a truck driver by trading Cuba. That's what he did. He drove semis and stuff like that. So he was able to, I don't know how, you know, my dad, God bless his soul, he's no longer living, but he was a very hard worker. And he, um, he was able to go and get a CDL, barely speak any English. I don't know how he passed a written test. He knew how to drive, you know, he could get on a truck. And sure, drive yeah. But to pass and get his, because you got to go do, you know, I don't know how he did it, but he did. So he got his CDL, went to the school, got everything done, saved some money, bought a truck and said, look, the only way I'm going to make enough money to bring my family here and pay my debt off, I cannot keep working for $200 a week cash working for somebody else. So okay. he got it, you know, he got some money, loans from some family. Again, high interest rates is one of those things. Family love you, but they're still good. You got to pay back. Right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
and he got himself a used truck and the man without living here and barely speaking english drove from new york to los angeles to texas because that's the way you made the most money back then and he was right. able to raise enough money to pay his debt and then bring us over which again uh four years later we, we leave cuba like he left in 84 we left like in 86 or 87 uh through a third world country or a third country i think we went to ecuador don't tell me the details how the hell we got out because it was all that's why it's so expensive. You're paying sure. people in the government. You're getting a plane you're ticket. You're getting sliding cash out. and lots of hands to get different and places. Yeah. Exactly. It was like uh, I remember first time getting on a plane. We went to Argentina. Argentina stayed there a day. First time I ever saw uh, Christmas because it was around December. I didn't know what sure. fucking Christmas was because in Cuba, you know, there's no freedom of religion. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's no freedom of speech. There's no, there's no freedoms at all. So first time I saw a Christmas tree, we were in Argentina because it was around Christmas time. Oh. And I asked my mom, "What the heck is that?" Why is there so many lights in that tree? And my mom's like embarrassed, you know, because my, my mother, you know, she, she knew sure. what Christmas was because she was little when, you know, before the yeah. revolution, I was like, oh, you know, it's Christmas. You know what Christmas is? I'm looking at my mom, it's Christmas. And I'm like, you know, eight years old, right? So anyway, we get to Argentina. We're there for a day. We get flown to Ecuador uh, about, about, about a day later. That's where we stayed for about a year and a half. And again, I think it was more of like trying to get the whole political asylum part of it, sure. lawyer after lawyer more money after morning my dad is not living at home he's he's, he's on he's the road truck, seven yeah. days a week living in his truck uh trying to make as much money as he can you know i mean it was insane and uh like he told me when i got to this country it was like that's the only way i was gonna get you guys out and you know it's funny because we lived in ecuador for a year and a half in an apartment when he maintained us you know because we thought we were going to be there month to month and it tend, turned to be about a year and a half to two years Boy. before we were able to get out um uh, we flew i forget what it is. i know we ended up in california somewhere from there we flew again to new york we get to we got i think we got to new york like it was either 88 or 87 i'm not sure it was 88 but i was like either nine or ten years old at that point um and from there you know just now you got the whole i haven't seen my dad in four or five years and it was insane you know going through LaGuardia airport and uh seeing my old man who i love to death you know we always had a connection i'm the youngest you know what i'm saying so it's like yeah, i'm the only two of us yeah yeah so you know it's it's crazy i mean i talk about it i choke up because i miss my old man and uh and i just hugged him and, and you know it was such like a dream come true because everybody my family at least we always wanted to go to america my dad was one of those individuals that was very hard-headed and he would get in trouble in cuba because he would say this is bullshit. i am leaving you sure, know you cannot yeah. say that and like you cannot say that in a bar to come yeah because you got to get pegged so you know we get here uh you know the whole naturalization stuff is pretty much lawyer after lawyer money after money cases getting dropped uh you know we got some you know temporary status where they give you like a like a permit and you know uh, temporary social security so you kept renewing that renewing that until you finally become a resident which took us like uh my dad was already a, a legal resident right he wasn't a citizen yet because you got to be you got to have five years of residency sure. with a resident card a permanent resident card before you could apply to be a citizen so it took us like five years after that lawyer after lawyer stuff like that i think i became a legal resident like a permanent legal resident the age of like 12 or 13. uh and you know then after that my dad became a citizen when he had the time and you know but it was a lot of like i remember being 12 years old at that point i really I, I picked up the English language in about six months, you know, re right. reading and writing it in because, you know, it was it's we're in the United States. We were immersed. For me, it's a whole lot easier as a kid than my parents, you know, at 30 right. something years old. And, uh, you know, from there, I remember going to lawyer after lawyer and I'm translating for my old man, you know, like the heavy stuff. Like yeah. my dad, you, you know, you could stop him on the street and have a conversation about a DOT 12 point check and everything about his <laughs> truck. Get by a cop, get him out sure. of an element. That's it. I'm done. You know, and so he learned enough to. <laughs> make sure like i used to tell him make sure he has enough money to put food on the table 
But right. yeah, and then after that, you know, it's just a lot of, uh, it was a lot of hardship. I mean, we, we, we lived in a one bedroom apartment for many, many years. Uh, me and my brother sharing a room. First apartment we got here was like in New York, you know, you got a basement apartment. That's where we lived for like about six months. And, you know, he, he just worked his ass off because, you know, a $40,000 debt back in the eighties was really as, as yeah, much as he was working. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Uh, so, uh, you know, finally, you know, he just worked his ass off so I could have the opportunity that I have today. So my brother and I'm able to provide for my kids. Uh, he actually, he is, you know, the person I admire the most because um, him and my mom were like, you know, they're two tough people, man, you know, to leave his kids behind, come to the U S right. Because of a dictatorship, yeah. because of other dumbasses are one communism and socialism nowadays. I have no clue what that is. And it comes to family. And then for my mom to be alone in a country oh, where God. she's getting watched, you know, with two kids and my brother who's becoming a teenager, go to a complete different country, two different countries. You know, you, you have no idea what's happening. I mean, and, and, you know, she is like one of the toughest women, all 411 of her, you know what I mean? She is like <laughs> one of the toughest women I've ever met, heart of gold, you know, and uh, there are like, when people ask me who are your role models, my parents, you know, they have yeah. no degrees, you know, they, you got one is a seventh grade education, the other one has a sixth grade education, but they probably sacrifice and, and experience more hardship than most people that I've known who, you know, preying on victimization and shit like that right. here in this country, that, which have no clue what really struggled and oppression. being a victim like of exactly. I'm oppressed. And it's like, yeah, wait, yeah. what? Like you have yeah. no idea what oppression actually looks like. Yeah, like no idea. They have no idea. Yeah. Um, so I want to backtrack just a little bit real fast. I know you were really young, so you may not remember, but you're talking about your mother being watched and these snitches like telling on her, you know, listening to the conversations that she's having with your father and things like that. Was it was it like they wanted to keep you in Cuba, so they didn't want you to communicate with him. Is that kind of how it was, or was it like they they didn't mind if you guys left, but you just had to like I I, I want to kind of understand what that was like. So it's more like a control issue, right? They want to update whoever the head of that particular snitch is. That I must use the word snitch to keep tags uh, keep tabs on the whole block, right? The whole sure. area they support. So they knew that my you know my dad left. Left the, you know, he left Cuba, right? right? And most likely they knew he was in the United States. It's not like they wanted to keep us there, but they wanted to make sure that they, they knew what the hell was going on, right? Yeah. So we never spoke that we, we never like publicly would say out there, like, you know, we was always, mom was like, don't ever say that when you spoke to your dad today, you know, because right. it was very rare. You know, you went to it, we didn't have a phone. I mean, listen, let me tell you something. It's a third world country. You, you didn't have a phone in your house or a TV. I mean, it, we used to go watch TV at my neighbor's house and you went to somebody's house and my dad would call here first, or you went to a public center, I guess, to call. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was no like a phone card or any of that kind of crap. That's the way you communicated. So it was hard to communicate. Plus, communications were horrible. You got yeah. lucky. You would try for hours and hours at a time uh, to try to get out, you know, for my dad to get a hold of us on some phone in, in, you know, in a small town or whatever the case may be. So they just kept tabs and they knew when you left your house. They knew when you went somewhere. They know that, you know, your kids go to this school. They know what so-and-so does. That's just what communism is. You know, the old good old, you know, Gestapo, right? Or the Russian police. They, they got to they gotta keep tabs on citizens. That's right. what pretty much is. And, you know, now it's probably more looser. It was in the 80s. It was still pretty stringent. Maybe it's, a lot of people don't care anymore because they're over it. But, yeah, that's you, you knew who the neighborhood snitch was. The neighborhood Chivato. He's working for the government. He's working for the local police, who the local police reports up and all that kind of stuff. So, right. yeah, they just want to make sure they keep taps on the neighborhood. And when they knew that somebody was from the United States, I'm like, hey, yeah, just put a little extra attention on them. Um, you know, they couldn't stop you to like when you're leaving because you know, then you know if you were gonna leave. So, the day that we left, it was uh, one of those things that you know, our uncle drove us to the airport in Havana, like three hours away from where we lived, and uh, you get in the plane, you're out. So, that's 
Crazy. Um, so once you got here to the United States, you went through school and then you met your wife and you guys moved to Florida or you met your wife once you moved oh, to no. Florida? No, it's, I met my wife in Florida. So it's funny. I, I got, I think it was 87 or 88. And again, I'm a little foggy on the date. So uh, let's say 88. Uh, did school over there. I lived in New York until 2004. I moved to Florida in 2004. So I lived okay. in New York all that time. I went to elementary school over there. I went to um, high school, uh, middle school, and then also college. Uh, I got my associates in Queensborough Community College when I was there. And then I finished my bachelor's here a bunch of years later in Florida. And um, But yeah, I moved here in 04. And when I lived in New York, it was, you know, I... I enjoy living in New York. I mean, it's like, uh, now I'm ashamed to say that I'm a New Yorker, but back then, you know, <laughs> life, life was good, man. You know, you were from right, New York, yeah. you had props, all right? You know, I was like, yo, man, I can, if I live, if I make it there, I'll make it anywhere. That was the model for sure. It wasn't just yeah. a song, right? And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it was like I was saying, you know, when I interviewed for jobs over here, that was the main thing. Look at my resume, man. I got an impressive resume. You got to hire me and pay me, right? <laughs> hey, look at that. I, I fucking, I rent companies I and operations in Teletown. <laughs> Come on, baby, you know, so. That was a proud thing, you know. Now it's, yeah, no, I, I, grew, I, I grew up there, but no, I live in Florida now. I've been here a lot longer than I'm, you know, than I was in, uh, than I was in New York now. You know what I mean? So, right. but yeah, so I moved here uh, after having, I think, a really great life in New York. I mean, I grew up in a really tough neighborhood. I grew up in the inner city. Um, you know, lack of a better word, the hood. Uh, you know, uh, your best friend was the, uh, you know, the drug dealer was the one in the corner holding out the paper when I would tell you, hey, shorty, stay in school, even though he was selling crack, right? Sure. But that guy protected, the, that guy protected the neighborhood, right? He gave me the best advice ever. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I would hear gunshots middle of the night, you know, and I lived there for a very long time because that's what we could afford. But it made me a tough person as I was. And I lived in Brooklyn most of my life before I moved uh, to Florida. You know, my parents left way before after I did. They got, they got tired of that. They came here in like 2000 and they were like in the, in the, in the Northwest. And then, you know, I stayed back because, you know, my job and I had some other aspirations. And I finally said, F it, because I used to, my brother, like, lived here. He, when he moved out of the house, he, he said, F it, I'm not moving out of the house. I'm not moving out. I'm moving to Florida. And sure. he was, like, 19 years old, pack up a Celica, his TV and everything else. And I remember me driving with him. I wasn't driving because I wasn't going to drive, but he said, I need company. I'll pay your ticket back. And he moved down here, and everybody was like, shit, you're coming back in about six months. Never came back. Wow. And little by little. Family members were like, shit, Elio's, you know, my brother was also Elio because he has a weird name as well. He's Elio and I'm Elio. So my brother, everybody was saying cousins and stuff like, yeah, they were like, my cousins were like, holy crap, he's not coming back. And people go on vacation. They're staying in this little, you know, studio apartment. He lives close to the beach. Shit, man. Little by little, all the, by 2009, there's nobody left in New York or Jersey. Everybody's like right. here. And um, yeah, then, you know, I moved over here and uh, party my ass off in South Beach and Coconut Grove and, uh, Got into some trouble, not nothing bad, but, you know, you, when you party, you drink a lot, you know, you, you, yeah. you feel invincible. Uh, and uh, met my wife uh, right before I turned 30, when I was like 29, and uh, because I needed to like slow down. And I asked my cousin, uh, who I grew up with, you know, she was married and had two kids, and I'm like, hey, Ellen, uh, I think she, she was a, te she's a teacher. I think she would hook me up, you know, with somebody like a good girl, man. I need to slow down, man. I, <laughs> I'm coming off of a freaking DUI, man. This is bad. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not doing great here, man. I mean, professionally, I'm doing great. Personally, I'm partying way too hard, man. This yeah, is like, you know, it's, yeah. it's not gonna Things end up well. Struggle. Yeah, so she introduced me to my wife. And it's funny because her and I are the complete opposite, right? Complete personalities. She's not Hispanic, first of all. And I'm a very Latino kind of guy, right? You know, my right. wife, my, my, she's like, she goes, I got this great girl, but she's a really good girl, all right? She was like, you know, she's a really good girl. I know she's your speed. She shows me a picture. I'm like, yo, she's really, yo, she's cute, man. She's pretty. I was like, yo, set me up, man. Let's go, let's go on yeah, a date. Yeah. 
So we go on a date and the rest is history. It's funny because she told me, I was like, not in my wildest dream. You know, my wife is here. I'm full blooded Cuban. And um, even though I'm very Americanized, cause I, you know, I've been here most of my life, but right. you know, I'm like full blooded Cuban. And here is a good old, old fashioned, uh, traits to the Mayflowers background, you know, Polish, Irish, you know, uh, <laughs> Scottish freaking background. She's like, you know, Mayflower. Yeah, to the May- you know, it. so it's, so we are like, <laughs> boom, opposite the track. We're clashing. It's like culture shock for my wife when she comes and meets my family. I go meet her family and like, yo, we're having a party. It's like five people. Oh, we're having a party in my uncle's house. There's 60, you know? So it's like, you know, it's like a complete blow up. And, uh, you know, the rest of the history, we have two beautiful kids. Uh, we've had a really strong marriage struggles like anybody else. Right. But, um, you know, she's my rock. She's made me the man that I am today as well. She is a big part of my life because she brought in a lot of stuff in my life that I didn't have before faith, starting with faith. She brought in Christ into my life. Uh, you know, she's a good old Irish Catholic. All right. So, uh, you know, she never forced me into it, but she showed me her parents and, um, that it's the missing piece. And, you know, that's when I always say that I'm raising my kids because faith was there, but you know, my mother never had it growing up because of the revolution, because of being allowed, a communist yeah. country. When you came to the United States, my mom, and my dad are working their ass off seven days a week because they need to, you know, pay up a debt and need to support us. So there was no time for church and it's not an excuse, but it's just a reality of things. You know, we believed in God. I knew how to pray, but it wasn't like I wasn't living godly, I guess. Right. I'm still struggle with, with religion, but right. at the end of the day, it's one of those things that was missing in my life. And my wife brought that to me. And, and I see why raising my kids with faith, it leads into the rest of the moralities, right. And, and uh, other, other good values that, you know, I, I, I had growing up, but it wasn't there. And, um, yeah, she's my other big, big influence. Like I, I, my wife is the best thing that ever happened to me. And, uh, you know, when she watches this and I said, she's gonna, you know, she's really not gonna let me, she's gonna let me hear it all the time again. Yeah, you know, head, so it's like, head's gonna get yeah, I love it though. So, um, okay, yeah, so you've mentioned a couple things that I want to like, kind of like, it's like a tree and there's branches. So I want to go back to New York for a minute. So you're mm-hmm. growing up in New York, not a great neighborhood. You're talking about like the crackhead on the side of the yeah. corners where you get your best advice, but yeah. so and your family is having to bust their ass to pay off the debt to bring your family even here into the country, right? And you're you're still going through the legalization process, all of that type of stuff. So when I think about like oppression or like struggle, the things that people go through, like that's a genuine struggle. Like that's not a, you didn't have life handed to you on a platter. You grew up in a, a poor part of town in New York, a rough part of town, maybe not poor is not the right word, but it was poor and rough. It was both. Yeah. Yeah. And so you look at your life now and that was all your effort and your family's effort and, and just true grit and work ethic. And that's something I associate with many Cuban people in general. Like they're very hardworking, dedicated to family people. And so what do you think about or how do you feel about people who are like silver spoon in their fucking mouth from the day that they're born and then say that they're oppressed, but it's really because they don't want to take personal accountability. They don't want to work hard. They want it to be given to them. Like, how do you feel like you can like make your story something that where people can look at and be like, okay, maybe my life really isn't that fucking bad. Like maybe I should be a little more self-aware of what I've got going on. That's the main issue, right? 
even though we lived in a really rough neighborhood, you know, we were not, you know, probably lower middle class, you know what I mean? I mean, but there was always food on the table, which lacked in Cuba. I had shoes, I had to bear, you know, the stuff. I, I was able to dress myself. I even got a job at the age of 12, just help the local businesses, right? You know, we have corner stores and I would help them load trucks for five, 10 bucks, right? I was able to, uh, you know, do uh, like my, my uncle, who uh, not my uncle, my dad's cousin, who I called him my uncle, but he has a lot of different businesses, like a, a beer distributor, a meat market. I would help and do this kind of stuff and I would get cash for like helping with odd jobs and stuff like that. And it would lead up okay. to like, you know, after school, 20, 30 bucks a week. In the summertime, that's what I did, you know? And, but I was able to start at a very young age and started making my own money because I wanted certain things, right? And at that time, you're a dumbass kid. You want a pair of Nikes, right? And I remember when I asked my dad for the first time, I got, dad, can I get, you know, back then I think it was a pair of Reeboks. And I said, can I get 40 bucks for a pair of Reeboks? He looks at me. Yes, 40 bucks for a pair of Reeboks. You don't <laughs> oh like, you don't God, like this. I would have loved like, to have been there yeah. to see your dad's face. He goes, you don't like what you're wearing now? And I remember Payless was a store that we would buy all our shoes because it was all, I don't know if Payless is still around, but I don't have not seen one. Same, same. That was one of my first jobs. Oh, man. And, and you know, you buy a pair of sneakers back then for 10 bucks, you know? Yeah, I was like, no, Dad, but nobody's rocking this. I was like, you know what? You want to, you want forty bucks for your shoes? You want more than that? Go get a job. I'm like okay, 10, yeah. 11 years old. Go get a job. Look, go downstairs and go, go, go to the, go to the, the dude in the bodega in the corner. Tell him to give you a job, and he'll give you some money. That's how we're gonna do that. But you're not getting anything, anything above than what you have. Right. And that day, I was like, okay, I'll get a job. And then, and then he goes to me and make sure your grades don't, your grades don't drop. Because as soon as your grades drop, not only you're not working anymore. But everything that you bought with your money, I'm going to take it away because, you know, because I'm going to hold you accountable for that. The yeah. main thing was like, make something of yourself. He goes, I didn't risk your life. I didn't risk my life because he did. It was a risk sure. leaving Cuba and getting caught and sent back and end up in jail for you to be, you know, to be somebody that expects a handout, right? It's for you to sure. like, you know, you see how much I work. You, you don't see me. You see me get up at three o'clock in the morning and I'm not back until like five, right? That's my dad would tell me. And it was true. And I was like, I didn't, you know, I didn't get you out of Cuba so you could feel like everything you're entitled to stuff. You need to work. Yeah. You need to work. And the best way you're going to make it in life, he was like, you know, you stay in school. Again, this is a man that had a seventh grade education. Uh, and, you know, that was his main deal. And but the fact that he the tough love, you know, just putting me out there, I was able to, you know, start making money on my own. And since then, I never I never asked him for a pair of shoes, a pair of I bought. I started buying my own clothes, my own sneakers and everything else at the age of 12, which it was a great relief at the same time for my mom and dad, my brother the same way. So it was one of those things that, hey, I would get home, you know, uh, from sixth grade to seventh grade at three o'clock in the afternoon. I would do a couple of things, you know, earn five, 10, 20, 15 bucks, out in jobs, helping the guy in the corner. But everybody knew, hey, hey listen, we have a shipment coming in of like food and stuff like that. They should help unload the trailer and pack up the freezers, right? That kind of stuff, here's five bucks. So I would do that and earn 25, $30 a week, be home by five, 5.30 and then do my homework and yeah. then bring my report card with all A's. And, because I knew I once you start making money, you're like, holy crap, man, as little as it is, like it's my you know, think about <laughs> you it. You just know, quit school. <laughs> dude, a hundred bucks, yeah, a hundred bucks a month. And I'm like, yo, I'm going out there and buying, like, you know, especially in Brooklyn, man, you get a lot, of, you, you get a lot of things on the truck. So, you know, you're you're getting name brand stuff for a lot cheaper than the store. So oh, that's uh, great. I hope I don't get you arrested. No, I'm kidding. Uh but any <laughs> but anyway, so it's that's when I first started learning the the value of uh, earning a buck. So but again, like like you said, I had more that I could ever anticipate I was having at that time being poor sure. because I didn't have Jack, right? I had number one, the freedom, right? The fact, the stuff that you saw on TV, right? I had a radio, whatever, like, as minimal as it was. I remember me saving and buying my first video game system, my Sega master system. I had one of those because I saved up for it a whole summer by doing those kind of jobs, right? I think it was like $200 or something like that. And having that stuff, 
where I would never even dream of having as a kid. Back then, I was grateful. So even though we lived in a bad area, we did not have, you know, there was one car in the household, right? Uh, you know, which it, it, it was, it was in, in, you know, old stuff. We, we drove to Miami for our vacations 24 hours because we didn't, couldn't afford a, to fly four people, right? Um, but it was the things that you were like, wow, this is, you know, we, we were happy. It was yeah. better, like my dad would say, we're better, you know, than anywhere else in the world. You'd rather be poor in the United States than be poor anywhere in the world because you have at least, you're never going to starve. Sure. We were starving in Cuba, all right? We, yeah. you could not get food, all right? So it's like, that's why, yeah, you know, it was a struggle, but it was a, a happy struggle. You know, it wasn't a, because we, we were better off than we were before. And that's the problem with today's youth. They don't yeah. know any different. They don't know what it is to have nothing, right? Or being taken away. That's the reason why I work so hard, right? It's the reason why, you know, my own personal job, my own personal career, I was always the guy, you know, it's funny because I went to college, got an associate's. I hated school. So I said, you know what? I'm going to work. I, I ended up, the job I was working for gave me a big promotion. And I was like, a $15,000, $20,000 raise. I said, oh, yes, I'm in management now. And I was like, I'm going to go back later, you know, like anybody yeah. else. And, uh, but, you know, I stayed in a certain level where, you know, I was making good money. I was making the money that none of my friends going out of college were making at that point, you know? Right. And then I was making more, you know, and, and, I, and I maintained like that for like 15 years in corporate America. But I finally reached a ceiling. And then I remember I, I got my bachelor's three years ago. I went back to school three years ago, which is like 17 years later. And uh, because I wanted, you know, I, I work for the, you know, for, for the government uh, side of it now. And I needed to like get to the next level. And, you know, I'm kind of, I want to make way more than what I'm making now because it's coming up. So I said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not I need a bachelor's because it just, it's like we checked that box, not because of the experience or my background. Uh, so I went and did that while, you know, uh, raising a family, you know, sole income because my, my wife is a stay at home wife. We need her for my daughter, she special needs. And uh, so she is valuable at home. And I did all that. And again, it just goes back to the, the stuff that I'm like, you know, I am, I need to do what I need to do as a sole provider, because guess what? I go back to my dad's work ethic, right? So okay. every time I do something new and I dive into, I always give it my own. It's the reason why I was able to get promoted over everybody else that had academically or, you know, a master's or whatever the fuck it was over because my work ethic spoke for itself. Uh, I guess, you know, my personality might have to do a little bit too, but you know, but it was mainly, mainly my, <laughs> you know, but mainly my work ethic. And I'm a loyal individual, you know, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a going to backstab anybody. I don't, I don't, I go up the ladder by what I could show you. Uh, this sure. is my character. This is who I am. This is the job I'm going to output. This is my, I am going to be loyal to the company. I'm going to be loyal to my boss as long as everything goes the right way. And I'm going to work my ass off to make you look good because at the end of the day, it's going to end up benefiting me because that's what's going to get me up. And that's the way I thought about everything because I always had to come from the bottom put my way up to the top because, again, I started with nothing. Sure. And things would be a whole lot different if I was still in Cuba. Trust me. <laughs> I'm grateful. <laughs> so talk to me about, so, you know, um, okay. Gave you so a lot of bullets moved, there. Do what? I gave you a lot of bullets there. Sorry, I'm a fast. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was great. I, but you, you just kind of breathed on on the America concept, and I want to kind of yeah move into that a little bit. Um, like you obviously have your cultural identity of being a Cuban. Like that's something you can't just like brush off and be like, yeah. oh, I came to America. I'm not a Cuban anymore. You're you're that's ingrained in your your body. But you're also an American. like, And I think that one thing we have gotten so far away from is this 
it's all about individual identity type situations. Like I, I am brown haired and that makes me special or, you know what I mean? Or, or I'm gay or I'm black or I'm Cuban or I'm, it's, it's, it's what your, your identity is your definition of who you are. And America is this huge melting pot. You can be all of those things, but Mm -hmm. we are all still American. So tell, talk to me a little bit about once you did come over here and you really like integrated into society, even your parents, you know, kind of that transition of becoming an American, like what that means to you um, as, as somebody who immigrated into this country, like what, what does that look like to you? And do you, do you feel now as an adult looking at this country do you feel that it's still the country that it was when you moved here in the beginning? Like, do you still feel the American ideal, I guess, is the best way I know how to word it. Okay. Well, first and foremost, uh, every single person in my family, immediate family, is an American citizen. That was my dad's goal. My dad did it first because uh, he was the one longest here. Then my brother and I, uh, because, you know, we were, uh, he became an American citizen after we were both 18. So we didn't fall under him. So after, you know, because a resident, your permanent resident alien card, uh, says like 10 years before it expires. So when it was about to expire, I was like, hey man, I'm gonna become an American citizen. You know, I had the time already and stuff like that. So my mother became an American citizen. She was the last one, uh, but she's also an American citizen. So for us, the goal of being an American citizen was the, the, the it, because my dad never said, I love Cuba. We will travel back because we have family. You know, not me per se, I've been there like once, but my father would able to go back. He had his dad there and stuff like that. But we bring, he, has, he had a couple of cousins. He had a brother who they, then we brought over to the United States. My mother still has like two of her, three of her, one, two, three of her sisters over there, right? Um, wow. And my grandmother just passed away last October. She was like before, you know what I mean? So my mother does the, that's how I keep my connection with what's going on in the country because of my mom. But right. number one goal was always to become an American citizen because we knew that if you became a citizen, your opportunity to number one, and secure your status in this country was a lot better than a than a than a resident than, a, than just a, being a, a regular legal resident, which is nothing wrong with that either. You could still get a job, do the same thing, you know. You just you know. So, but I, I first and foremost, I don't identify with uh, identity politics, right? I'm Cuban because I was born in Cuba, right? I'm yeah. proud of my heritage, you know. Shit, I love the you know I love the food, right? You know, it's like I'm loud, man. We're we're obnoxious. We you know we're, we're a group of us. We're we're not arguing. We're talking, but we sound like we're arguing, right? Um, but at the end of the day, this is the country I'm going to die. This is the country my kids are kids. My kids are going to die, and their kids are going to die. And it's not like I'm going back and like retired in Cuba, right? It's not. Right. That was that's never the goal. Every Cuban that comes here, there's a few that you know you still you still have you know like anybody like any like any group, right? You still got the dumbasses and the ones that talk shit about you know the hypocrites, just like you know our Democratic Party. Um, you, um, but you, you, I, ident- I identify as an American, you know, I am an American citizen. You know, I am, I have a blue passport just like anybody else. I was right. born here, but I'm going to die here. So yes, I'm right. a Cuban American, not by birth, but I am a Cuban American. But guess what? I pay a lot more fucking taxes than many people here. I've been yeah. contributing to the, to the, to the economy for a very long time. All right. I, I do a lot of things, you know, and I, and I love this country because the reason why I am what I am today, I'm not rich at all, you know? I think I live with a decent middle-class American family, white picket fences, decent house, kids college pay for, you know, I'm able to have my wife stay home and educate my kids because it's important. You know, she's a former teacher and the value she brings and keep these freaking schools on check nowadays, 
Yeah. It's worth any other extra income I could get. So I, I am doing what people before my generation in this country were doing, which is traditional nuclear family, all right? Which is, dude, nothing wrong with the women staying at home, right? She is more important. She's more important than myself. You know why? Because she's raising my son and my daughter to be leaders in this world, to be productive people in this world. And people forget about that. Her job is three times tougher than me because I'm a shitty, uh, I won't be able to deal with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, and that's when people forget that. Who do you think raised these presidents? Who do you think raises billionaires? Mom. Right? Right. Mom is that person. They, when you put down that role, when women say, I don't want to have kids. Oh, because, you know, I want to focus on my career only. There's nothing wrong with a career woman. I'm not bashing that either, right? But when you dismiss that role, which is the most important role in this world, then those are the idiots that you'll be like, you know what, maybe you shouldn't have kids and move yeah. to Russia. You know, so, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, but I do, I, 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 politics, identity politics, I'm Cuban proud, I'm Cuban, but I'm, I'm a Cuban American. You know, I bleed red just like you. I bleed red just like an African American. I, I read red just like anybody else. You know, as a, as a Christian, you're thought to love everybody the same way, right? And not, but you bash somebody because of the way they look or the way that they are or the ethnicity they are, you know? So uh, uh, at the end of the day, there's bad people in this country like anybody else, but yeah. And to your point, this country is shifting to what it was 20 years ago, even in the nineties, right? Um, yeah. Which to your point, when I see Bernie Sanders, Alejandra Ocasio-Cortez, I can't stand that woman. Omar Iman, whatever her name is. Ilhan Omar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I call her Omar, whatever. Uh, I'm going to get you canceled today, most likely. But anyway. Um, Are you kidding me? Nothing you have said is any worse than what I've already said. So it's like uh, when they use the term, ready? Democratic socialism. You know how bad I want to go to one of those rallies and get arrested, right? Because I would yeah. swing at one of them. Because they have no clue what is to go through socialism. Socialism doesn't work. All well, right? like, let's work. be careful, though, here real fast. Let's remember that Ilhan Omar's father was part of the communist regime mm -hmm. in Somalia, where she ended up getting banished to Mogadishu with her family because they were about to be killed. So mm -hmm. let's be real careful about saying she, yeah. she's she got experience with it. She was just in the position of power where... <laughs> Where she is now, and hoping that she can re make her dad proud. Let let me turn this into a communist country. Oh, oh man! Oh, what's funny is that these people are a bunch of hypocrites. They are socialists in uh, in a convenient manner. Sure. Perfect example, right? AOC, right? Bashes capitalism, tax the rich, f the companies, right? Which these are right. the companies that are creating jobs and fueling the economy. Right. Dumb, dumbass. But then she goes out and has a website where she sells sweatshirts that says tax the rich for 50 bucks. Yeah. You can't get any more capitalistic than that, <laughs> all right? Where you're selling a product for a demand because you got dumbasses that buy pay 50 bucks for that stupid sure. sweater that she has to print on it. So this is the hypocrisy of it, right? They want the socialistic, oh, free this, free healthcare, which doesn't work. Uh, you know, uh, let's do a per deal on the food. It doesn't work. All right. The government cannot get involved when they when the government gets involved in creating jobs. They're going to F all that up because it's proven anywhere else. Right. Sure. And uh, when they do this, but at the same time, they like the nice benefits of being a capitalist society. Right. Really? That's how I know they're hypocrites. They have no clue. It's never going to work. 
there's no there's not a, a perfect there's not a good mousetrap when it comes to socialism it's not going to work capitalism is self-healing through we've seen this now for what 200 years 300 years when, I, I mean I'm, I'm bad at dates here but capitalism is self-healing right. we've gone through how many recessions and depressions in this country and we always rebound because capitalism goes through cycles there's always some innovation that gets that gets that that particular market or that particular time into the next level right okay. industrial revolution the tech revolution the dot-com revolution and whatever revolution it is right and, I, and i'm not talking about a, a politics revolution it's we're talking about you know economy sure, yeah it's self-healing exactly it's self-healing capitalism is self-healing leave it alone it's been working forever it's made this country and the top country in the world where everybody comes here because trust me if this was this bad if this country was this bad like the people say we would not have hundreds of thousands of immigrants coming from trying south. to come in yeah exactly or i don't see boats fly you know selling their assets to china all right where yeah. right now they're the biggest economic leader because you know who's benefiting from all that all that economy you know all the all the uh the strong economy the government right that's the only entity that benefits from cap from uh, socialism or uh communism it's the government they control everything they're the richest individuals you got the elites and everybody else down forget yeah. about the middle class forget about the poor class because one thing that is true about communism and socialism everybody has equality yeah you have equal shit. yeah right you have nothing <laughs> right so 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 that's um, that's exactly what that is so the next so you kind of already touched on the capitalism communism thing so we don't have to go into that too much more but let's talk about and i didn't really i didn't preface this with you but uh you mentioning like your wife staying at home and and the nuclear family so i think that that's something that's so um it's almost like degrading right like the idea of of birthing children now you're a birthing person you're not even yeah, a birthing, yeah. you're you know and um this idea of of the the woman staying at home and and keeping a home and cooking dinner and raising her kids and educating her kids that is like a you're too stupid to do that you can't do that that's you're too dumb to teach your kids and then it's like okay well we're the smartest people in the world that we're women hear me roar but we're too dumb to raise our kids like is that can you be both of those things or is only one of those probably true? And anyway, I'm sorry, I digress. But this, the idea of like nuclear family is is verboten. Like it's 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 not a good idea anymore for a husband and a wife to raise their two children together. Like it, and I'm wondering, like, I'm starting to see this transition where people are coming back around to that. Like they're like, uh, and I know this is kind of anecdotal, but Cameron Diaz and Paris Hilton both were like boss babe actresses, mm -hmm. moguls, you know, like in their right. Mm -hmm. And they both just had children. And they're like, we're quitting our jobs. Like this is being a mom is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm complete now. Like both of these women are like, that is what made it for me. And then you've got these these white suburban fucking idiots going out and like, I've killed 12 babies this in my lifetime or whatever. Like they're proud to have abortions. Yeah. And so you're starting to see this massive divide with like 
a group of people. So where do you see that going? Like, how do we write that ship to where life has more value for people? What do you think has created the disintegration of the value of human life um, and the nuclear family? Like, what do you think has caused that or created that? And then how do we get back to, you know, the ideals that, that you are practicing right now with your wife and your kids? Uh, I think uh, Hollywood has been a big part of this shit, you know, by flushing this down the toilets. I mean, you, you can't even watch Disney Plus anymore, right? And uh, have stuff that I have to explain to my kids, which I even block some of the shows because I don't want to deal with it. They're too young. I got a 10 and a 5-year-old. They go want to ask them why two girls are kissing. And I'm not homophobic. I support the LGBT community. I got cousins that are in the community, and they're great people. You know, I, I love them all. I mean, I, I am the kind of individual who is, you know, may not love the sin, but I love the sinner, you know what I mean? Sure. So yep. uh, therefore, I'm not the one that's going to judge him. We're all going to have our day in front of the great gates and we're going to get judged by, you know, judge and executioner. So that's not my job, right? I love individuals, people by the, who they are, people by, by the, you know, by their character, you know, by the content. That's why I love individuals. I don't care who you are, what you are, what your sexual orientation is, what do you look like? You know, do you're good to me, I'm good to you. That's all I care, right? That's why I'm raising my kids to do that, right? But because Hollywood has made this thing to be accepted as the it, it's become a fashion and a culture. That's what it is. And it's like, you know, and if you're not, you're, you're frowned upon. There's nothing wrong with not being that, right? It's just, just right. the way you are. Um, but at the end of the day, it's Hollywood, the social media, the internet now. It's like everything goes viral. So it's more ingested and given to kids a lot more easier so it's just a spread of information it's been, so having information this quick accessible to the masses it's a double-edged sword right you have right. issues like this and then you got the stuff that helps you in life right like you can't live without amazon you know what i mean but you know that's the problem and it's become more and more common you know uh, people are saying this whole woke uh generation is like, because, you know, if you're not into it, then, you know, then you're against it or you are individual that's going to get called a racer or a homophobe, you know? So right. you have this divide because you still got the the generations like myself, right? The generations like you and everybody else are still trying to raise your kids the way you were raised, right? The same, your grandparents raised your parents. As I'm sitting here yelling at mine yeah. because they're like right by the door being loud. But anyway, go ahead. Don't worry about it. That's, uh, mine are actually, so I couldn't take the week off, but they're on, on uh, spring break vacation. Also, yeah, my daughter's on spring break too. Yeah. So yeah. I have a 10 year old and a three year old. So, okay. Hey, oh, yeah. close, closing age. I yeah. got a 10 and a five, closing age. Good deal. I had not an easy time. No, it's <laughs> not. Like I thought with them being seven years apart from one another that there wouldn't be like a lot of fighting or arguing or anything. Oh. That was wrong. I was wrong mm -hmm. about that for anybody watching. It doesn't matter how much time you put between the two of them. They're still going to fight. Just FYI. In case yeah. You're wondering. No, but I, and I think the way we get back to, I guess, some norm not normality, but I guess back to what started this you know what we were what the what 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 the ethics and and the family values and i guess the structure the home structure that made this country the way it is is you know i'm not a bible thumper right but i think faith yeah. doesn't matter what religion you're from religion was one of those things that you know we've heard the term irish guilt right i mean uh, catholic guilt right yeah you were guilted to like be scared of doing something wrong yeah you're gonna go to hell right so guess what that in a way is you develop morality. You develop to tell the difference between right and wrong. You know, right. uh, 
you develop like not to lie about everything to get away with stuff. Cause that's still the thing, you know, lying has become something that you just, and I'm, I'm a big, I'm more, and I'm guilty of that, especially before I met my wife. It's one of those things that becomes no second nature, right? Having kindness and, you know, I don't know, I'm in Miami, I'm in you know South Florida, so we're gonna ride the bus, but as a kid, Riding the bus, you gave your seat to an older person, right? My mom would smack me over the head if I didn't. Sure, yeah. Uh, that that kind of stuff, and I think faith, uh, religion, raising your kids, uh, faith based, uh, it it just leads everything back into that kind of like you know that kind of like the, you know old school structure nuclear kind of value stuff. Because I mean, a birthing person, come on, man. Uh, my wife is like ten times smarter than I am. Former valedictorian in high school full scholarship ride. I mean, she is like, you know, she's even come out on the paper. She got a career, but we decided when we both, when we had our daughter and we had certain challenges 10 years ago, that it was more important for her to be at home because if it wasn't for my wife being at home, you know, my kids in the spectrum, but because early intervention, my wife dedication, everything else, she's in a, you know, she's not even, she's not in a cluster or anything like that. She, she's fully verbal. You know, she is in a mainstream class. She's an amazing kid. She struggles like, a lot of other crap, but you know what? My daughter, if anybody sees her, you don't think she's in the spectrum. That's because of my wife, the work she puts in, mm-hmm. you know, and everything else, you know, um, we decided that that's important. And then when we had our son, you know, like four years later, same thing. I was like, you know what? We've been doing it now for this long. You could stay at home. You know, we sacrifice, you sacrifice certain things, certain luxuries, you know, certain stuff that, you know, you don't want, you, you just don't ride a night, you know, just don't drive a nicer car, stop eating out so much, stop going out to lunch. You, know, you go back to the same thing that a butcher who mm-hmm. supported a family of seven in the fifties and the sixties, did it with a wife staying at home. So yep. you go back to that. And I think faith is very strong. I didn't realize how, what part, what role of faith played in a family growing up. Uh, yeah. When you got existed and we, we, yeah, we, you know, we believe in God, but when you follow certain structures of the Bible, the word, the scriptures of what they tell you, you actually learn lessons about life and what helps you kind of like affirmations about how to get better in life as a person. Sure. And it's, it's a lot of like loving, you love people, you know, and, you become somebody better, you know, through their thing. And we teach our kids the same thing. Yeah, that's how you, you know, you love everybody. And uh, just ju- don't judge anybody uh, based on appearances or anything else. Judge them by, or, you know, don't make your your your, your judgment or your, again, not accusations, but by, not by what they, just do by what they do, not by what they look like or what they, who associate them with. So that's the problem. I think uh, there's not enough faith. I mean, you have uh, drag queens re- doing story time and, in libraries across the country in some states but you're making prayer illegal right you know it says right mm-hmm. of the damn dollar and god we trust them in quarter right so yeah you're taking that away which but you're adding this other factor in there that's you know that is showing you know that is not you know it's not part of what this country was you know, built on sure i could go into i'm i'm actually writing yeah. an article right now about much of that. So I'm not going to dive into that right now, or we'll be here for another hour. No, no, Um, you're good. (laughs) But I do want to touch on, because you're talking about faith. And for the longest time, I've been a practicing Buddhist for probably a little over 20 years now at this point. And, and I, you know, as I've grown older, like the tenets of all religions really basically are the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. it, and it, it all boils down to like, basically like the golden rule do unto others as you would want mm-hmm. them to do unto you. Like, it's very simple. You go through life, you be kind to other people, you give of yourself and you will eventually get and return what you put out into the world. Mm-hmm. Like that's really what it boils down to for everything. Um, But religion and faith, 
being a Christian man, just, just that in society is like, you're the, you're the bottom rung of the ladder at this point. You are the stepping stone for every dirty shoe in the country. And then you get to like the family and then, then you're, you're disgusting too. Like the church going family, who's just doing the best to, to raise good humans. You're, you're bad. Like you're, you're a bad person in society. And it's just like, how, how did that flip? Like, how did that become like, that's the bad person? The person who's like trying to raise good humans and just be good people. Like it just, it makes no sense to me. It drives me insane. And I I sit here and I constantly think about it. And it's like, what more do you want? Like what more do you expect from people? Do you want them to go around beating people on buses and shooting them? And like, is that what you want society to be as a bunch of people like that? Or just wholesome people who are like, I'm not, I'm not religious. I, I, I've not that you really care about this, but I'm going to tell you, I've been um, going like really struggling from a faith perspective because I lost my faith a very long time ago. And it's like, you always, you you constantly feel a little bit of a pull. If you had any kind of upbringing in a church or anything mm-hmm. like that, it's like, I can go to church and I can sit in the pew And I just, I have so many questions and not enough answers. And I am incapable. I don't want to say incapable, but I have a very, very hard time. I struggle with blind faith. Like it's very difficult for me, but the concept, like I, I take my children and I want them to like, you know, I was the kid that went to to church when I was little and they'd tell me the story of Noah's Ark and I'd be like, I'm did they really put two of every animal on a boat? That didn't actually happen. You know, and they're like, Heather, shut the fuck up, color your paper and stop asking. You know, it's like, I would always get in trouble because I was always like pushing against any sort of like story or narrative that we were being given. And um, so I think that, I think it's good to ask questions and, and challenge certain things, but I also think it's okay to like raise your kids to be wholesome kids. I think it's okay to be adults and encourage people to be kind to one another. And, and I, it just, it blows my mind. It blows my mind that you mentioned drag queen story hour. Like it's, you have to be 18 to go into a strip club. You have to be 18 years old right now. Like my daughter could not just walk into a strip club. She's legally not allowed to, but if that strip club was featuring men in whatever attire Mm -hmm. and being provocative she could go in and put money in their fucking pants which you've seen it now yeah they've had field trips through the yeah and it's like wait a minute like what like that's not that's not normal and it i just keep wondering like where are these forces where are these powers that be that are moving these needles that are like encouraging this type of behavior. Like where the fuck is it coming from? Cause I want to find them. And I just, I don't want to talk to them for a minute. I just want to have a conversation. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to them. I want to beat the shit out of them. <laughs> All right. That's, that's what I want to do. I'm sorry. This is where my faith is. Uh, trust me. I, I found faith at 32. I'm still struggling with trying to figure it out. And, <laughs> and I'm going to give you the advice. My wife told me, right. She was like, if you don't question it, 
you're not trying to understand it. Right. So yeah, you being a little girl saying, did that really fucking happen? No one two of each. I was like, no, you're, you're doing what God is telling you to do. Cause if you don't question it, like you said, you're not trying to understand it. And it, and, and what I mean, faith, it's, it's having faith in whatever you think it's going to make you, uh, that's going to give you that particular morality. You know what I mean? It's like I said, it doesn't matter what religion or what you believe in. You know what I mean? But it's at the end of the day, it's just that morality that is built on, on that particular faith. And look, I, I, I struggle with it greatly. I'd say it's funny because, you know, things that I thought, you know, that were normal, you're like, oh crap, I'm actually sitting right now. What the fuck? I'm, I'm, I'm cursing. I'm sitting right now, you know, but it's, right. but my wife tells me, I was like, look, you know, it was like, dude, it, I've been in all my life and everybody just falls over and just get up. And, you know, God, and I'm not, I'm not good at quoting scriptures, but I know somewhere in the Bible it says that if you really feel like you regret something because you did wrong, then, you know, that's kind of what God asked for, right? Um, and just trying to get up and correct yourself, right? And, and don't do it again, that kind of stuff. So right. uh, it's like one of those things, right? And from a sports analogy, which is what I like to talk about, it's like a big heavyweight fight, right? You get knocked down on the religion part of it, then get back up again and yep. make sure you don't get knocked down again because you got to do something right instead of what you did wrong uh, sure. to get there. So, uh, but yeah, no, look, it, it's, and I get everything is coming because I think it's a big push from Hollywood. We have the indoctrination. This is how socialism starts off from a very early age, right? It starts in school. And this program uh, of these certain teachers doing these curriculums without the permission of the parents or right. the parents knowing what they're teaching, started a long time ago it just gotten bigger and bigger and this is where it's starting this is becoming okay that's why i'm so happy that florida is passing that in the senate the the, the bills of uh, the parents right bill and, and you sure. see aoc on fire all complaining about it that's She's you know when i see that yeah, exactly yeah when i see that yeah when i see that it tells me that it's the right bill because it's the dumbass right over yeah. there it's the right thing to do. So when I, because I am a firm believer, that's why my, my, one of the main reasons my wife now, as my kids get older, stays at home because, you know, she, she's a former teacher, you know, she's a team lead. She knows, she knows the system and she will like raise some hell, you know what I mean? If, if she ever finds out, yeah. um, and because it, it's important. We believe in our kids going to school. If we have to pull them out of homeschool them, that's not a problem. But my daughter needs, because she's in the spectrum, I need her to have that social. I don't want kids to be away from that because the social part of going to school is huge apart from just learning how to add, read and write that's how you learn how to become an adult man communicate it starts from a young right. age interacting with peers right that's the problem we have these kids nowadays and a lot of them know how to interact with others right they're know how to interact with each other with a pair of headphones and playing you know and playing call of duty that's yep. it that's the only way they know how to socialize um so it's like but unfortunately it's been starting in the school system a lot and um i think governors like ours in florida i have figured that out there's a reason why he's so popular and wanted to run for president because yeah. he is doing everything. And as much as he gets bashed, it's like I tell my nieces and nephews sometimes who I love them to death, but they're, you know, they're, they're younger and they're, they're on that little uh, woke trip. I'm like, guys, read the fucking bill. All right. Yeah. Don't believe a meme. You're retweeting the same meme a dumbass created. You're going to create you the same meme. I could do it. Look, I got a, I got a nap that I create that yeah. same meme. You, it, because it's funny when you read the actual bill, it doesn't even what, say the word gay in it anymore. Exactly. CNN. And, and the same thing with this one. They're saying, oh, my God, they're, they're batting books. I was like, read, read the bill, dude. The bill say anything about batting any fucking books. You know what I'm saying? Or, yeah. or anything that has to do with black culture or, 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 or the Holocaust, which is, you know, Hakeem Harris. Like, yeah, yeah, they don't want you to learn from the Holocaust. I read the bill because it's a one-page summary, right? And when you read the bill, which we could pull up now in a matter of 30 seconds, when we were kids, we had to like go to the fucking library and try to figure yeah. out what that bill was, if it was out yet or whatever the case may be. 
uh, I didn't have a fucking computer, you know what I'm saying? I got my first computer in 98 when I could afford it, right? You know? So yeah. uh, that's the whole thing. People, kids nowadays don't realize how easy they have for the information. Go get it and read it's it for yourself. It's crazy, right? Like yeah. you have in this little bitty yeah. thing right here, you yeah. have every piece of information yeah. you could ever possibly want. And they don't take the time to look for it. It's crazy. Wild. Yeah, I know. I got my dog here. Hits him. He's dog something. I got him next to me. If we gets a little ruffled, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he was no, sleeping. I think fine. I woke him up. I think I woke I woke him up. But yeah, that's, that's all right. I mean, is it, it's been starting in school. Uh, and then of course you got social media, who is the biggest uh, the biggest flusher of information out there. And I guess, you know, Hollywood as well. Hollywood and celebrities. I mean, look, you got twelve year old girls trying to be Cardi B, all right? The fuck? You know what I mean? It's it's uh, She's talking about, you know, WAP and shit like that. You know what I mean? About this guy, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, so you're teaching a kid. She's a former stripper. Wait, I, I listen, man, I went to plenty of strip clubs before I got married, but I'm going to tell you this right now. It's not an, a, 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 one thing I'm going to encourage my daughter to be, right? To go pay sure. for college, right? No. So again, this is what you're idolizing. Oh, she was a stripper. Look how much work she did. And then look, she's, she's singing all these songs are sexually inappropriate for somebody. And who are the biggest fans that listen to these songs? 10, 14. 60, right. okay. So they think that's normal. Let me go be a hoe. Yeah. That's that's cool, you know. So I call that's it the world problem. of horcraft. It's like yeah. <laughs> that's great. Oh, I need to make money. Okay, I'll go start my OnlyFans today. Yeah. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. When yeah. did this like when when did we and there it's women's empowerment? What? Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It is not empowering. It's prostitution me. only. Yes, like, on TV. like you, yeah. literally. <laughs> You're literally a prostitute. You might as well yeah. just go stand on the side corner. Like it's the might same well. thing. Mm -hmm. it's, exactly. it's crazy to me. Go to the red light Absolutely. district in Amsterdam. Tell me it's any different. Yeah. Well, the, the original ones right there, but it was in one particular district. Now you got that district available to Everywhere. millions and billions of people. Yeah. So. It's crazy. Okay. Elio, I'm going to let you go. I've had you for a full hour. I appreciate you so much. This has been, I actually might have you on again. Like this has been really fun. I really enjoyed this. Um, I think definitely once we start Patriots and Petticoats, just knowing how political you are, um, we'll definitely be having you as a guest on, on that show too, because I mean, it's the guys. And so yeah. they'll, of course they'll want to have you over there, but um, I love you so much. Oh, I wanted to tell you one other thing really yeah. fast. So you were talking about your child being on the spectrum and I know that you're faith-based, but I have argued for a while now that I think that, that autism is the next evolution in humankind. And so where a lot of people talk about it as a disability or something that's bad or negative, um, for me, I think that it's like the human brain is so busy, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're constantly thinking about a thousand things at once. And where I see that it's like a streamlined version, right? Like they're able to very easily get from point A to point B and they can filter away a lot of the, the things that most of us get caught up in. It's like, they're like next level. They're that much better than us at computing and processing and, and getting to the other side of things. So um, I just wanted to let you know that I think that that's an absolute blessing and a very cool thing that you guys have the next level of, of human. So um, anyway, anybody who Thank wants you. to follow you, what 
is your handle and where's the best place for them to come hang out with you? Quickest way, uh, Joe's underscore talk on Twitter. That's pretty much the only social media I have based related on the, on the podcast. But when you go to uh, Joe's underscore talk on Twitter, go to the bio, hit my link tree. There's a link there and you could find uh, all the platforms of our podcast available um, all over the freaking place, man. So both video and audio, you know, hit me up, follow me. You're not going to be disappointed. You, know? you won't be. He's absolutely amazing, you guys. I love him to die. I'm so. Yeah, and you are. You are the best. I, I'm telling you, I love uh, the fact that, you know, you're fighting the good fight. You know, and it's funny because I didn't grow up being political. This is just me defending my, my right. I, I, it's one of those things that I'm like, shit, the world's going to shit, right? I'm trying to make sure that this country is not the country that I escape because I tell people I'm not my, I'm not as tough as my dad to go somewhere else and try to learn a new language. Yeah. Because I need to protect my family. No, I want to I want to make sure that we stay here and defend this country and get it to the way keep it the same way that it is. Yeah. So it that's yeah, it's a re, it's not so much political but it's just I am I, you know well, it's I protectionism. Go where, like you have exactly, children, exactly. you have a yep. future here and you want to yep. preserve it. And I think, I think it's, it's going to be interesting because we need more voices like yours. We need more voices like mine. We need more voices like your wife's and maybe I'll have her on here to talk about the education system and the decision to stay home and, and be a homemaker and raise your kids and, and teach them. So um, maybe that would be a good episode that we'll talk about in the future um if she's willing to come on i don't want to make her feel pressured or anything but okay elio thank you you. love you you take care have a wonderful night you too stay safe right peace thank you so much for taking the time to listen i hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up please subscribe we are available on spotify itunes iHeartRadio, google Podcasts, wherever you listen please make it a great day in america this is the country where few people leave too many people want to enter and dead people still vote take care i know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!